Chapter 18 Which is the worst of betrayals? Enthusiasts of ancient Tamil history would know that many were the women at the forefront of social activities. Royal ladies were accorded every sign of respect. Those born into the Chola dynasty as well as those married into it possessed the right to own property. Each had according to her position in the family an array of villages nansai and punsai agricultural lands and livestock all assigned to her exclusive use We ask our kind readers to note in particular the various ways these riches were dispersed Many granted resources towards Tirupani sacred works in their names such as lighting temple lamps stringing garlands for deities feeding pilgrims and sivan devotees every day and a great many other charitable acts which were summarily drawn up and recorded in stone or on copper plates silasasanam or cheppu pattayam that they may be preserved for posterity while it was the norm for female royals to immerse themselves in temple work kundavi pirati beloved daughter of sundara cholar chose to distribute her wealth in quite another fashion perhaps it was the precarious state of a poor father's health that weighed on her mind and influenced her decision but she conceived the notion of setting up infirmaries all over the country readers would not have forgotten her successful inauguration of one in the name of emperor parandagar in palayarai tanjay too would benefit from such a service she thought and had made arrangements to set up a similar infirmary in her father's name auspicious vijay dasami had thus been chosen to throw open the adra salai and to ensure the drawing up of the required inscriptions The inauguration of Sundara Chodar Adra Salai took place with much fanfare within a Garuda Mandapam directly opposite the Vishnu Temple in the Purambadi area just outside the fort of Tanjai. Kundavai had decided on this precise location with reason. Tirumal after all was the guardian of the cosmos while Garudan his divine mount was the one who had procured Amudam nectar of the gods. Tanjay's numerous citizens flocked to the ceremony not to mention chora subjects from surrounding villages men women and children had arrived in their finest attire festooned with whatever jewelry they possessed to attend the festivities in addition were to be found chora officials namely the emperor's wooden kutam ministers officers of the perindaram and sirudaram sculptors armed with the duty of chiseling inscriptions onto stone and viswakarmas who would drop the same documents onto copper plates and numerous palace menials the velakara regiment arrived in state with instruments such as tare and tapatte echoing in all eight directions danar danar tanjay's security forces not to be outdone descended with a clamor swords and spears clashing the parvetariya brothers made a majestic entrance atop their elephant mounts prince madurandagar not quite so fortunate when it came to grand entrances swayed and weaved all over the place as he tottered up on his white horse desperate to keep his seat princess kundavai her companions and a few older royal ladies arrived in a dignified parade within a palanquin while from the opposite direction appeared its ivory etched counterpart with its palm tree emblem bearing the exquisite burden of ilayarani nandini the royal women comprising of kundavai devi the young queen of paruvur and various others seated themselves under the blue silk awning erected especially for their use once periya parvetariya made a sign the proceedings began with a flourish 
two odavars men in charge of chanting sacred hymns in temples sang the beautiful tevaram padigam mandramavadu neer the combination of musical instruments such as yaal mattalam and their sweet carefully trained voices served to cast a spell over the gathered multitude who listened in complete and utter silence not that the spell seemed to work quite the same magic amongst the royal ladies two voices rose in low conversation devi began the young queen of paruvur seating herself next to kundavai you know the tale i suppose of this very hymn saint sambandar cured the ailing pandya king by singing it and applying just a hint of sacred ash upon his forehead didn't he why doesn't it possess the same power now i wonder ignoring the hymn itself what about the tirunir why doesn't it have an effect anymore no cure seems to work these days without the combined efforts of medicines herbs physicians infirmaries and a host of other things does it true words were never spoken rani was kundavai's forthright reply ah but those were the days of dharma when righteousness reigned doubtless sacred ash was incredibly powerful as well these days though sin has spread its terrible tendrils throughout the world why this very land harbors traitors who conspire against their own king pray when have we ever heard of such doings why wouldn't tirunir lose its magical touch and medicines be needed to cure the mildest ills and the princess subjected the ilairani to a searching glance nandini's face however changed not a whit indeed treacherous bastards who weave conspiracies against our blessed emperor you say she asked at her most casual and who might they be ah that's just what i don't know some point to a certain person others to another this seems to be a matter that requires a good deal of detection and ingenuity i've made up my mind to stay here a while to find out what i can announced kundavai there's not much you can learn about the world in padayare is there an excellent decision nandini's voice was warm with approval if you were to ask me devi you would do well to stay here for good else the rajyam will go to the dogs and be ruined and if you made this city your home i might be able to lend you whatever assistance i am able at the moment i am entertaining a visitor he might be of immense help as well a visitor kundavai raised an eyebrow who is he kandamaran the son of kadambur sambuvarayar a young man the height of a coconut tree and twice its breadth and weight have you seen him he's been ranting about spies and traitors for days now you mentioned something about a royal conspiracy didn't you what in your opinion is even worse than such a terrible betrayal do you know certainly i do a young woman who deceives the man she has married one to whom she is bound by loyalty can there possibly be a worse betrayal and kundavai bent her gaze once more upon nandini who did not appear faced in the slightest at this careful observation 
Indeed, a charming smile remained, lighting her exquisite features, much to Kundavai's disappointment. An excellent statement as usual, but I'm not sure Kandamaran would agree. The betrayal of friendship is the worst of them all, he would moan, for hasn't the one he considered his friend changed beyond all recognition, stabbing him in the back, quite literally, not to mention leaving him to die. And well, Kandamaran has been raving about it ever since. Who is this man who dared to subject his own friend to such a dastardly act? A certain Vandyatevan, or so I hear, belongs to the defunct Vanar clan that used to rule around Vallam in the Tondai Mandalam. Have you heard of him? Kundavai's dainty, pearly teeth bit into lush coral lips. The name seems faintly familiar. And... Uh, and, and what happened next? What else? His precious friend made good his escape, having stabbed the Kadambur prince in the back. I hear that my brother-in-law has sent men in pursuit of the wretched spy. But there's no proof that he is one, surely? I am afraid I wouldn't know. I have merely been repeating Kandamaran's words. You may speak to him yourself if you wish and learn the details. Indeed, yes. A visit to the Sambuvaraya Sayan does seem to be in order. I've heard that his survival was nothing short of a miracle. Has he been in the Paruvar Palace ever since he was injured? Yes. They brought him here the morning after and I was saddled with the job of treating his injury as well. And I was saddled with the job of treating his injury as well. His recovery has been slow, to say the least. The wound hasn't healed completely as yet. Not even your tender ministrations at his bedside have cured him. Behold me, struck dumb with surprise. Well, Rani, I shall certainly pay him a visit. After all, the Sambuvarayar clan wasn't founded yesterday, you know. They have won laurels for their valour from the time of Parandaka Chakravarti. My point exactly, Devi. Besides, we'd have the pleasure of your boundless condescension stepping into our paltry residence in the guise of visiting him, wouldn't we? came Nandini's reply in dulcet tones. The Padigams had faded into silence by now, and it was the turn of the royal documents or Sasanam. Emperor Sundarachora's Thirumugam or communique, being first in consequence, was read out. As Yelaya Pirati has seen fit to bestow in her boundless benevolence the entire income of Nallur Mangalam village in favour of the Tanji Purambadi Adra Salai, and this village was given to our daughter as a sarvamaniam or gift to do with it as she pleased, it is decreed by order of the emperor that the Nansai lands of said village be made tax-free. Once the Tirumandra Ole official was done, he handed the palm leaf to the Danadigari, Periya Paruvetariyar, who received it with both hands with due reverence, pressed it to his eyes and delivered it to the royal clerk, instructing him to enter the transaction in the register. The next to be read out was Kundavai's own statement of bequest, her Dana Silasasanam. The details meticulously recorded were clarity itself that the residents of the above-mentioned village were to be granted the complete enjoyment of the Sarvamaniam lands. 
In return, they were to deliver the Tanjavur Sundarachorai Adrasalai the following. 200 measures of rice a year, 50 measures of cow's milk, 5 measures of goat's milk and 100 coconuts for the exclusive use of the patients. All these details were chiseled in stone accompanied by the name of the scribe and in great detail those of the officials who had overseen the recording of said gift. The inscription once read out was duly given into the keeping of the heads of the Nallur Mangalam village who accepted the stone with a great deal of deference and placed it atop the elephant standing patiently nearby. Long live Ko Rajakesari Sundarachodar, conqueror of Madurai! Chants from a thousand throats rose in the air and spread in all eight directions, almost deafening the gathering, while a hundred paray instruments delivered a resounding performance, rivaling the voices for sheer exuberance. And then followed chants in a certain preordained fashion. Long live Ile Pirati Kundavai Devi! Long live warrior among warriors, Aditya Karigalar, who beheaded Veera Pandian. Long live Prince Arul Varman, conqueror of Iram. Long live Madurandagatevar, scion of Sivagnana Kandaraditar. They rose in waves and counterwaves, each higher than the last. And then, finally, came chants in another style. Long live the Danadikari, guardian of the granaries, he who levies taxes, Periya Paravetariyar. Long live Chinna Paravetariyar, Kalandaga Kandar, guardian of the Tanjai fort. By the time these were raised, however, the enthusiasm and vociferousness had died down considerably. It was obvious that they were the efforts of loyal Paravur soldiers and that the watching public did not really join in with alacrity. It was the ambition of Kundavai to catch a glimpse of the Ilayarani's face during these very moments. Regretfully, she could not, despite her best efforts. Had she managed to do so, especially during those raised in praise of Aditya Karigala, there can be no doubt that even Ilayapirati, possessor of an iron heart, would have quailed in terror.